It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at MIDI Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. showdown slate you've ever seen well you're at the wrong show because we're going <laughs> to hit on every single main slate game one by one and we're going to give you everything you need to feel confident going into Sunday's slate but Matt Kajeski and I just broke everything down for today's showdown slate we do that 10 a.m eastern every single Monday and Thursday so go back after this show check it out you don't want to miss that the insane amount of injuries and COVID-19 related absences are going to make this one of the wildest showdown slates you've ever seen, potentially the wildest from a roster construction standpoint. But that's not what we're here for. I'm Dave Lochran. Joining me, Matt Savoka, going game by game, 11 games, Sunday's week nine slate. It's amazing to think, Matt, that we are now more than halfway through the NFL season. Hey, it went blazing fast. We really got through the uh, first half of the season. Uh, a couple of bumps in the road here and there, but ultimately things went really, really well. Yeah, they did. And uh, uh, people said we weren't going to have football this year. I, yeah, looked well. them, I looked at them straight in the eyes, Matt, and I said, don't hit me with that pessimistic shit. We're getting football. <laughs> we'll have football, and we'll have football well into the cold winter months because that's what's going to happen. That's right. That's right. And, uh, yeah, there's just so many good games here. Uh, I don't know if the Cowboys have a quarterback yet. I cannot guarantee you that. 
but we will give you all the facts that we know about. <laughs> yes, we will. We're happy to have you guys with us. You know the drill. Hit that thumbs up if you haven't done so yet. And if you haven't subscribed yet, help us hit that 50K mark. You guys were instrumental. Actually, not even instrumental. You guys are the reason we got to 40,000 because it's the only way it can happen is if we have support here on the channel. It's the only way we can keep doing free content. So uh, every tiny little bit of support really helps us. It goes such a long way, more than you could ever imagine. So hit that subscribe. Um, plus, our shows will become, you know, they'll pop up more on your recommended feed, the browse uh, feed and all of that stuff. So it's a win-win. But uh, yeah, your support is the reason we can keep doing this free content. And it really helps us expand our reach too. So only do it if you like the shows. Only do it if you like this channel. But if you do, uh, yeah, go ahead, hit that subscribe and that thumbs up button and the notification bell if you always want to know when new shows are dropping next. All right, Matt, here we go. You ready to make it happen? It's the it's the Thursday marathon show. Remember the Dante Culpepper? The yeah, that's that's how I feel. Let's keep it rolling. All right, let's do it. Let's <laughs> also never do that again. Oh, Carolina all right, and Kansas City. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs at home facing the Carolina Panthers, a team that we need to give we need to put a little respect on their name, right? They they played much better under Matt Rule than many of us would have anticipated. They are uh, sizable dogs here, though. And that should be expected playing at Arrowhead. Ten and a half point dogs, 53 point total here. Let's kick it off with the Carolina Panthers side of the ball. If we know one thing, it's that even though they are big dogs, there is going to be ownership in respect to this Carolina team because a lot of these guys are underpriced. I'm not talking about cheap as in Braxton Berrios and, and Denzel Mims last week where you could run that back with a Kansas City stack. But uh, as it stands, you're getting pretty significant ownership on guys like Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore, both of them at 14 plus percent. And that's without having a status on Christian McCaffrey yet. Right. And, and the way I wrote up this game is that I believe that Christian McCaffrey is going to play, which of Me course too. is going to change the way this offensive identity yep. shifts. It, there, it's just no doubt about it. But that doesn't mean that Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore especially aren't good plays on their own in a game environment where you expect a lot of points to be scored. So one of the things I noticed right away is that their top six, the Panthers are in the top stacks tool on Osmo.com. So they're not just solid run back option with the chiefs team. Like you mentioned, the jets were where I believe someone took down the Thunderdome with uh, basically a double jets run back with a Chiefs stack. You might not be able to do something like that because right. the salary is different, but that doesn't mean that DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, who are both in the top 20 and true weighted opportunity share and consistently peppered with targets that doesn't mean they, they aren't great plays on their own. They're both in the top 25 in terms of expected fantasy points per game. And both of them are outperforming that expectation by nearly a point. So I like these plays on their own, even if Christian McCaffrey sort of sinks back into that every third play, he gets the ball in some way or another, whether it's a rush or a target. You know, I, I talked about this a little bit on yesterday's show with Matt Kajewski and Kyle Dvorak. The, we take a first look at ownership and uh, top stacks. And you guys know this. We do it, if you don't know it, we do it every day of the week. Like no, Nowhere else is doing the, these strategy shows seven days a week, all culminating in a four-hour marathon show on Sunday from 9 a.m. to 1 Eastern. But we talked about like a stack, running it back with McCaffrey. And Kyle had talked about how there's not really – 
a good correlation there with McCaffrey. But I want your opinion on that because he had 116 receptions last year. He was a thousand yard receiver. He had four receiving touchdowns. I get that it's not as I get that the correlation isn't as strong as like a DJ Moore or a Robbie Anderson. But are are you averse to assuming you can make it work from a salary standpoint? Maybe some injuries pop up later in the week and we get some good value. Are are you more are you averse to to getting McCaffrey as a run back in those stacks, just knowing his involvement and his eighty five hundred dollar price point? Really, not at all. I don't. I don't have to have any sort of rule that says leave out the running back in terms of a run back or even a stack. If you're talking about a running back like Christian McCaffrey, like Alvin Kamara, or even like Dalvin Cook, who you know has a chance to get thirty plus opportunities, because what you're really capturing is the game environment. This team is playing the Chiefs. This team is in a game where they're playing the Chiefs. That means that they have a situation where we can say with a pretty high probability that they're going to need to score points. And then in order to score points quicker, you need to pass the ball. And Christian McCaffrey, assuming health, is a threat to get over 10 targets in a game. So you use him just like a passing correlation or a receiving correlation. I'm fine stacking him with Teddy Bridgewater, and I'm fine having him as a runback option. Now, it gets a little trickier when you're talking about players like Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill, where you need them both to score a bunch of touchdowns, but that's not what we're saying here. They have receiving correlation with each other, absolutely. Okay. Uh are, is this a game that just overall you really like uh, based on both sides and some of the configurations you can make? I think it's a little bit different than this uh, Chiefs-Jets game that we saw last week, but I think it's fine to play it sort of the same way where the Chiefs are over 10-point favorites or, or right around that mark. I'm not sure if it's changed since I wrote down the, score, the implied totals here, but you're basically saying this is one of those games that could, yes, it has an over 50-point total, but could it be one of those games that hits 62, 63, 64 points? Well, yes, these are the teams with the weapons to do just a thing. And if at the end of the weekend we said, oh, wow, this Carolina Panthers game had the most total points in the weekend, absolutely no one is surprised by something like that. So that's a game I'm, I'm looking to add stacks to. I'm looking for unique runbacks. And, yeah, I'm in on this game. What are your thoughts on the Kansas City side where you had last week Patrick Mahomes ripping off a monster performance, five touchdown passes, 400 plus yards, no interceptions, almost 40 DraftKings points. Uh, you know, amazingly, there were some people that wanted to get away from this because of blowout risk. Uh, but I talked about it on the showdown. Uh, were you one of them? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I okay. was. Yeah. Look, it, it happens. It's just insane how sometimes, no matter how ugly this game ended up at the end, for a large stretch there, the Jets were in, when I say striking distance, I mean striking distance to the point where the Kansas City Chiefs were going to continue to operate the same offense that they do in a neutral uh, game script. The The performances were huge, though. Tyree Kill came just shy of 100 yards, but racked up two touchdowns, uh, 98 yards on four receptions, by the way. Travis Kelsey had a monster performance, finishing with 28 DraftKings points, 109 yards, double-digit targets, and a score. They're not going to be easy to play this week, but it is once again a scenario that you could see big, big games playing out from the best offense in football. Oh, 100%. And I think it was just a, a friendly reminder about the unbelievable ceiling about a Patrick, of a Patrick Mahomes offense. And there's only a few teams that are even capable 
of putting up these types of five score, 400 yard games where all of the, the players that we sort of, the name brand names hit and the chiefs are just one of them. So in that regard, we're always looking to them as this high profile offense, but at the same time, we need to be wary about the ownership. And we also need to be wary about the projection versus the salary based expectations. And right now, Tyree kill, as you said, he only had four receptions and I'm sure that 98 yards instead of a hundred on DraftKings certainly changed some people's days. Oh, yeah. Uh, Cause uh, two more yards and definitely changes some things. But, you know, I'm looking at the Osmo projections and they're solidly below the wide receiver five expectation that Tyreek Hill's Tyreek Hill's salary implies this. The same thing cannot be said, though, about Travis Kelsey. I think I mentioned this last week and the week before with no Kittle. It's it's so different because the last two slates we had Kittle on the main slate and actually Travis Kelsey was sat had a salary below Kittle. You're just not getting that sort of discount anymore. We hope Kittle gets well soon in that regard but it, it it's still a tight end one price that i'm willing to pay consistently because of that guaranteed floor especially in cash games where i just want to you know i can find areas where i can uh, take a salary flexibility with a wide receiver elsewhere i'm fine with patrick mahomes and travis kelsey any week last question on this game before we move it forward the uh the backfield, which so many people were excited about this year, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, particularly after Damian Williams decided that he would opt out for COVID purposes, uh, it is it is not what it is not what people anticipated. He's had a couple of good games, man. I don't want to take everything away from him, right? But uh, it's also been a struggle in large part being able to find the end zone. And now you bring Le'Veon Bell in. Uh, all in all, it's not what we anticipated. But the Panthers are allowing 4.7 yards per attempt. The run game, the run defense has been uh, has been gashed up uh, in many instances. But I, I just don't know at their price points, Clyde Edwards-Alaire at 61 and Bell at 5,100, how we can really have much faith or confidence in, in either of these guys this week. Yeah, I'm kind of out on it too. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with Midi Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at Midi understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And Midi can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.
you know, even in this game script against the Jets, where uh, I thought I was I was thinking one step ahead, but really a lot of people were on these running backs last week thinking that they were just going to blow out New York last weekend. But ultimately, each got nine total opportunities and three targets. That's really on the edge of even fantasy football viable. So even though they're part of the, Ch- the Chiefs offense and we've just waxed poetic about how they have the highest ceiling in the league, we're still talking about salary points. You know, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is still the 11th overall salary among running backs this weekend. And Le'Veon Bell isn't that much further behind. He's 21st. So, you know, when I'm not even sure they're getting 10 to 12 touches, that means they need to be incredibly efficient or the touchdowns need to swing all the way to the backfield, which, you know, in an Andy Reid, king of the screens offense is always possible. But I got to have multiple things go right in order for them to work out. So, uh, yeah, they're not my favorite. And the Osmo projections kind of say the same thing. They do have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire sort of right at his salary-based expectations. Yeah, it's it's... I thought he'd give you a little bit. If he was a little bit cheaper, I'd be willing to take some shots for sure. You know, maybe if you're you're multi-entering in, in, in large field tournaments, you could take some stabs just because you know that, that the Kansas City Chiefs passing game is going to have some ownership, and this stack as a whole is going to be pretty popular. So maybe that's one way to differentiate, but it's really just you know a leverage play and not one that I feel super great about. On, the, uh, on, on to game two, you've got Seattle laying two and a half points against Buffalo 55 point total here, Matt. So we're expecting to see quite a bit of scoring. Uh, The Seattle Seahawks routed the, the San Francisco 49ers last week. Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt. George Kittle got hurt. Uh, It was, it was just an absolute mess from top to bottom, but Russell Wilson had a fantastic game here with uh, four passing touchdowns. That brings his tally to 26 on the year through seven games, uh, just absurd numbers. And it also appears that Tyler Lockett and DJ Metcalf or DK Metcalf, sorry, are just trading off monster games uh, as the season goes on. We'll start with the road team laying two and a half against the Buffalo Bills who have not looked the same, mostly because of Josh Allen uh, over the past couple of weeks, definitely not as dominant. Right, right. And, and, you know, they came away with victories because they were playing the Jets and they were playing the Patriots who, you know, they're just kind of a mess at the moment. But you're right. And Cam Newton, by the way, fumbled inside the 10 yard line with a real opportunity for them to take the lead or at least bring it to overtime. There's no reason that game should have been ended uh, in in regulation with Buffalo up 24-21. We would be singing a different tune if Buffalo had just completely wiped wiped the field with the Patriots. They did not do that. And they lost two games in a row to quality opponents in those games leading up to the Jets and the Patriots games. So I'm really not sure how for real the Buffalo Bills are. I think this game is going to go a long way in describing how they are this season. And certainly I wouldn't want to be facing Russell Wilson at this point in the season with anywhere near uh, the the defense, which still isn't 100% for the Buffalo Bills. You know, Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes in the quarterback efficiency metrics that I look at in my data deep dive, they're basically running away with the best quarterback in the league uh, totals and and likely the MVP race here. And the Osmo projections essentially line right up with that. The Seahawks are going to be the number one uh, team in the top stacks tool and Russell Wilson's number one in expected fantasy points. That said, 
I did notice that the projections ranked him a little bit lower than the quarterback three, which is his salary-based expectation. Uh, that doesn't scare me at all against this Buffalo Bills defense here. I'm definitely going to have op- uh, opportunities to get both Lockett and Metcalf. And I heard something that was really astute uh, when I was researching, or sorry, I read something that was really astute when I was researching. You're going to see ownership kind of gravitate to the less expensive Seahawks receiver because there's, it seems like there's an opportunity to get just as many targets like Lockett had the big blow up game two there weeks is. ago. But, you know, I think we've mentioned this in one of our streams previously where you can pay up to differentiate your lineups. I think that is a, a great option here just because the unbelievably high ceiling you can get. So this week we have DK Metcalf all the way the wide receiver two in salary but wide receiver 15 in projected ownership. So just by having a stack with Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf, again, possibly the highest ceiling stack we could have on the slate, you're differentiating your lineup. That's really exciting. You're just going to have to make salary uh, concessions elsewhere. Yeah, as our own Alex Baker puts it, pay up to be contrarian. So this is definitely one area where you could make that happen, given that the pricing disparity is actually massive between DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Um, I, yeah, I it's at 1K, you're right. Yeah, it's, that's significant at the wide receiver position, especially you want to contextualize it even more. DK Metcalf is the second highest priced receiver uh, on the entire slate, while, um, while Tyler Lockett is the eighth highest priced receiver. It's a big difference. There's no doubt about it. Do you know what um, they are in expected fantasy points? I don't. From PFF? Lockett is number two and DK Metcalf is number three. Wow. Yeah, that's that's absurd, man. It's just insane. It's insanity. They're, they're both great plays. Um, I, I, I'm i with you. If DK Metcalf, if his ownership comes in way lower than Lockett, then there's very much an argument to be made there. He's coming in at 9.6 projected ownership on our awesome uh, ownership projection right now. Lockett around 25%. So, yeah. The highest wide receiver for Lockett, by the way. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, there's there's a lot of reason to love both of these guys, and, and I like both of them a lot. But at that steep drop-off in ownership, knowing what DK Metcalf is capable of doing, we've got to be talking about him uh, as a great pivot. But you will have to pay. There's no doubt about it. Any interest in the run game? Um, well, you know, as I was researching this for my matchups column, I did notice that DJ Dallas had the highest snap share and opportunity share that any Seahawks player or running back has had all season long. And it's a great reminder that if we ever did have a running back sort of take the lead in this backfield, they would be extremely valuable. But I think what Seattle prefers to do as a team is have a rotation of players, which is obviously leading fantasy gamers to having to play a little bit of a guessing game. It sounds like Chris Carson has a better chance to play than Carlos Hyde. And if Chris Carson plays, I think you have to assume that he gets the bulk of the workload, but I don't think it's anything compared to what we saw DJ Dallas with last week. I believe it was a 79% snap share. And uh, so basically you're hoping for touchdowns. Is it the worst idea with the number one team on the top stacks tool? Absolutely not. Is it someplace that I have to get to? No, not at all. Okay. Uh, I'm, I won't add to that. I, I agree with you. I think there's better places to look. The Buffalo Bills run game, however, has been very much muddled this season when Zach Moss is healthy. Uh, he scored his first and second rushing touchdown of his career 
last week against the New England Patriots. He finished the game with 14 attempts for 81 yards and two scores. Meanwhile, you'd think Devin Singletary didn't get worked in much. You'd be wrong. He also saw 14 attempts for 86 yards. He just didn't happen to get in the end zone. And now this is where that comes into play. The big concern entering the 2020 season was how much will Zach Moss take away from Devin Singletary in the red zone in goal-to-go situations. Uh, The answer clearly, along with Josh Allen, has been more than enough to make Devin Singletary useless in many situations. I I know that's a strong word, but when you're not getting any of that work with these guys, with, with Zach Moss healthy, it's a serious concern to me. And then all of that is compounded by the fact that Moss played 53% of snaps to Devin Singletary's 48 last week. The game script really favored them. So you're going to see a lot of carries, you know, 28 combined rushing attempts for both of them. But I just don't see how that's the case this week against Seattle. I'm staying away from it. What about you? Yeah, I think you're, that's really astute there. And we have to contextualize last week's data with the fact that the, this was a weather concern game as many of the games were, And so they were keeping the ball on the ground more so than the Bills offense would prefer to do, especially this Josh Allen to Stefan Diggs connection, which I'm sure we'll get to in a minute. That's the highest target total of any connection so far this season. When you look at the backfield, though, it's really tough to trust Devin Singletary, especially, you know, in my data deep dive, I look at a stack called quality opportunities. And I know I've mentioned it here before, so sorry to sound like a broken record. Those of you have been here, but We want to look at teams running back opportunities in terms of who's getting the targets and who's getting those runs inside the 10 yard line, because they have such a higher percentage of getting a touchdown for obvious reasons. That's great for fantasy football. Zach Moss is really running away with those quality opportunities. Something that surprised me as well. And, you know, goal line carries matter is really the the lesson here. Excuse me. As you said in your explanation there. So looking at, Expected fantasy points, they're both in the 25 to 30 range in per game numbers, and they're not quite there in terms of salary-based expectations. Zach Moss all the way inside the top 20 in terms of running back salary. Needless to say, the Osmo projections are much, much lower than that, and I tend to agree. You're basically hunting for touchdowns, and again, yes, there are probably going to be them. I would just bet on the passing game much faster than the running game. Not only do you have to, I, I, I credit Ben Rossa with this approach all the time because he's accurate in saying, not only do you have to get the target share or the, 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 the uh, carry share correct with a team like this, you also have to get the production right too, the, the, the touchdowns. So yeah. in one case, you're hoping that he gets to work, but then you have to hope that he gets the opportunity or the, the, the production with those opportunities. Whereas there's a lot of running backs out there, you're not worried about the opportunities. You're just worried about what they do with them. So that really takes some shine away from this. Now, the passing game, however, is a little bit different. Josh Allen has has, has struggled recently. Last week, he didn't really need to do much. He only attempted 18 passes. Against the Jets, he did tally north of 300 yards, but the Buffalo Bills did not score a touchdown in that game and had it come against anyone but the New York Jets or most teams in the NFC East, they probably lose. So now you, you you look at this spot against Seattle, who has given up very big passing games, but is going to put their foot on the gas offensively. You have to think that Josh Allen's going to need a big game through the air here to keep this game competitive. So that makes you look at him. That's going to force us to look at Stefan Diggs. It's going to force us to look at guys like John Brown. 
but how much do we like them and how much do you want to get here? Yeah, I mean, Seattle has been been easy to beat through the air, which is perfect because they're often scoring points. I think the dominant unit of this game is going to be the Seattle offense and the projections and the top stack tools of Osimo tend to agree with that. So really what we're saying is the bills are going to be forced to score points. It's a little bit like we were saying with the Carolina Panthers that said, you know, we're, we're looking at a team in the Seattle Seahawks that are 27th on the season in yards allowed per attempt. And, you know, over the three week last three weeks, they've been a little bit better. They're 22nd, but this is a team you want to exploit through the air. And then you have a connection here with Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs. And now part of this is because they haven't had a bye week yet, but they are. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The highest, I believe Stephon Diggs has the highest total targets in the NFL so far this season. So, you're talking about absolutely massive usage on the, the front end. But like you said, you're going to look at those auxiliary options as well. I think John Brown is a really nice play. He's down at the 39th wide receiver in salary on DraftKings this weekend, 5,400. And the Osmo projections put him in the top 25. He has less than, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, in the top 25. And he has a less than 5% ownership. This is absolutely a play I'm looking for. Great game environment, higher average depth of target, and a projection that slides in higher than salary-based expectations. I love it. Atlanta and Denver. Another one where Atlanta, they're favored to win this game. and I don't think they shouldn't be. Denver has really struggled to, to move the football. I've got some interesting numbers on Drew Locke, though. We'll get to that momentarily. Uh, but the, the Falcons laying four points at home, 50-point total, and then absolutely ugly this heinous field it actually hurts my eyes to watch games in atlanta that's that's how bad that field is matt yeah it's sad because the the stadium itself is one of those stadiums where like i want to go there but the the uh the field color i guess matters when you're watching (laughs) it's gross i i I, seriously i I thought i was i I thought i was gonna get sick Look, and I, it looks like someone just came up and turfed the whole field. I, I don't know, man. I, I'm, I'm not I'm not a fan, but that's neither here nor there. If you're looking at the road team, the Denver Broncos, Drew Locke, in the games that he has played this season, has attempted the second most deep attempts in the league. And I think that's significant because his adjusted completion percentage on them is 25%. He's throwing them. He's just not connecting on them, but he's throwing them. And sometimes volume, opportunity, that good stuff is is relevant for the conversation, especially against Atlanta, 
Now I know that their corners, I know their defensive, uh, their secondary is healthier than it was earlier in the year. So I don't anticipate them being quite as bad as they were, but they still have some holes. They still have some, they still have some uh, weaknesses and, or sorry, I should say vulnerabilities. And it's kind of an interesting spot for Drew Locke, but the problem is, and, and I'll throw this over to you, Matt, when you look at cheap quarterbacks this year, they're just not getting the job done as much in these big tournaments because you basically need everything to go right to win or even top place or place top 20 in these. And what we're seeing is a lot of the high end quarterbacks get it done. Whereas it used to be that you could punt quarterback. You could get 20, 22 drafting points from him and be in a really good spot. But all in all, Drew Locke is at least in a position where I think you're going to see pretty voluminous uh, targets from him and maybe another 40-plus attempt. The question is, what do you want to do with that? I, I think that's a great way of putting it. I was actually surprised at the total here. I thought maybe that the total would creep up towards 50. But I think what you're saying about the Atlanta pass defense being a little bit less vulnerable than it was in the beginning of the season has some validity there. They were 29th in yards per attempt yards allowed per attempt through the air on the season, but they're actually up in the top 12 best in the NFL over the last three weeks. So that tells you that there is a bit of an improvement there. And and I, for one, was uh, surprised that the, the Panthers weren't able to move the ball or score nearly as much on the Falcons as I would have expected. So in this situation, Drew Locke isn't someone that really stands out to me, to be honest. It it just is a a situation where I feel like he is a low floor, low ceiling player. And I think there's also validity to what you said about salary with quarterbacks sort of changing where you're actually looking towards the mid and the high tier quarterbacks much more than we ever were. And part of that is rushing expectation. A lot of these mid to high tier quarterbacks have these high rushing or very high touchdown expectations Drew Locke has neither of those things. Now, I said in some of my previous matchups article that it's really hard to judge an offense when their number one receiver is gone for the year and they're forced to sort of create a new identity. You wouldn't judge the Falcons on the other side of the ball if Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley were out for an extended period of time. We saw it already this season. They looked entirely different. That's essentially what we're seeing here. We're seeing a team that needs to lean on Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay, and then get short passes to Tim Patrick and Deshaun Hamilton, and then hopefully go over the top to Jerry Judy a little bit more than they have been. I'm not for one very excited about them. The top stacks tool has uh, Drew Locke and his receivers at number 16 in the NFL. He's over 20 in expected fantasy points per game. And that's exactly what his salary based expectation is. He doesn't jump off the page for any reason, but again, when we talk about game environments, the Falcons can certainly put up points, and that would be a reason to look at them if you think this is really going to shoot out. Yeah, Tim Patrick leads the team with 13 deep uh, targets this year, which is pretty interesting. Uh, he's hauled in seven of those for 222 yards. I bring that up because in potential shootout spots, I want guys that can that can get balls downfield, that can make big plays. He hasn't been a particularly high target share player, and he is questionable with a limited practice yesterday, but he does uh, have 19 targets over his last three games, back-to-back 100-yard games in weeks four and six. So I, I don't think Tim Patrick is actually the craziest option here. Now, granted, uh, not all of those games came with Drew Locke under center, 
but he has been somebody that they've looked to get the ball to. Jerry Judy's second with 11 deep attempts. I think he's struggled, man. He's had some really yeah. bad drops this year, but he also is clearly the most talented receiver on this team. And then Noah Fant. Noah Fant went healthy. I think he's going to be very good. The way I'm looking at this, Matt, I'm not necessarily looking to stack Denver. I do have some concerns. I think I have a little bit more interest in uh, like large field Denver stacks than you do. Not a ton, though, but I am interested in running it back, running back Atlanta stacks uh, with with one of these uh, Denver players, because if the volume's there, just the, the probability that one of these players has a good game is actually pretty high. Yeah, I like that Tim Patrick call because you got, uh, I've just seen the red zone target percentage over the course of the year. He's actually second on the team in red zone targets. Also, KJ Hamler, I definitely want to point him out. He caught the game winning touchdown against the Chargers a week ago. And, you know, he's kind of a black box prospect because he didn't test at the combine, but we would have expected him to be one of the fastest receivers at the combine had he tested. And so I do think that there's some big play ability with Hamler as well as he gets healthier and worked into the offense. And you're only looking at 3.4 K for him on DraftKings this weekend. So I think you could go with Patrick or Hamler. I'm seeing Jerry Judy at 9.5% ownership with as the wide receiver 51 in expected fantasy points per game. That just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So if you're using uh, the Broncos for multi-entry, like you said, I'm looking at Hamler, I'm looking at Patrick, and maybe even Albert O, who I think they really want to work into the offense, even with Noah Fant getting healthier. Okay. Yeah, someone mentioned in chat, uh, Drew Locke has attempted 81 passes over his last two games, so. There's potential there. No rushing upside, though, unfortunately. Well, they were down, what, 24 to 24 to 3. They were down huge. So they're going to be passing the whole second right. half of the game. And, and, but I, I'm saying, I, I think there's a, pretty, there's a pretty good chance that could happen again this week as well. That's Maybe you disagree. What are you doing with Atlanta? Yeah, I think Atlanta definitely is a team that we would have said they absolutely want to beat you by outscoring you earlier in the season. And then we've seen a couple of games, particularly last week, where it kind of felt like, wow, they could – they could actually get into a game and win by holding a team to under 21 points. I don't think that's the norm for the Atlanta Falcons. Just like you said, when we started talking about this game, we're not changing their defensive identity to say that they are now a great defensive team. And so I think that the possibility of Atlanta just trying to get 40 points and win the game that way is very possible. I saw that Matt Ryan has a projection within his quarterback 10 salary based expectations Julio Jones is right around his wide, wide receiver four salary. And Calvin Ridley, assuming he plays, he's down at wide receiver six in overall salary on DraftKings. And once again, his projection lines up exactly. Now, I was surprised to see that they are eighth on the top stack tool, which means that the chances of this game going full shootout, as we've been speculating here, maybe isn't quite as high as we're talking about. But that certainly doesn't rule it out. We're talking about Jones as the eighth highest wide receiver in expected fantasy points and Ridley right next to him at seven. These are both great options. Yeah. And look, you do have a 27 point implied total for Atlanta, 23 for the Broncos. Those aren't like, those really aren't that bad. So 27 solid 23 isn't great. Oh, that's up from where I had it written down. That's that's way up at 50. All right. Yeah. 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 So it's up now. And Denver at 23 is kind of middle of the pack for, for this week. 23 is not that great. It's also really not that bad. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't mind taking away some bits and pieces of this one. Of course, the um, the Calvin Ridley news, it, it's been, I don't know if you've seen anything to confirm one way or the other, but 
it certainly appears that there were a bunch of reports that it was a minimum one week, two week injury here. Uh, others saying that he's still questionable. He, I know he didn't practice yesterday, right. um, but they got good news about the midfoot sprain he suffered last week. Uh, he's day to day. I don't have any confirmation or, or really any lean one way or the other. What about you? Yeah, the way I wrote it up in my notes is that I believe he is going to play. Just, okay, you do that's, think that's play. really kind of based on what they said coming out of last week's game, more so than I know something more that the public does. So I'm looking at ESPN's injuries, and they really haven't updated it that other than he won't practice Wednesday. At the same time, they've been doing maintenance days with these wide receivers uh, on Atlanta all season long. So it's certainly something to keep an eye on. We've said this before on these broadcasts that when we have less than two of Atlanta's elite receivers on the field, it lowers the entire ceiling of the offense. The targets don't just get distributed as efficiently to other players. But at the same time, you know, when you're talking about creating a list of players that could get 15 targets and two touchdowns, Ridley and Jones are on it every single week. Okay. How about the Baltimore uh, Baltimore Ravens and the Indianapolis Colts? The Baltimore Ravens are a good team, but they're not that good. They're good. They're not that good. That's why I loved Pittsburgh last week. Take the money line, boom. Hopefully you guys are watching. <laughs> we knocked that one out of the park. I think it was like plus two something as well. But Baltimore, uh, still the road favorite here, Matt. We're getting them at minus two and a half, 47 point total. But the, the crazy thing here, and this is what we need to start with in this game before we go any further, Lamar Jackson's price point has plummeted to 6,900. He is now $100 more expensive than Justin Herbert on DraftKings. I bet none of us saw that coming. <laughs> Meanwhile, in the backfield, Mark Ingram is still not practicing. So you could see an extended amount of work go to guys like Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins, but we'll start with Lamar Jackson, sub-7K price point against the Colts, Florgeurs. Yeah, I think whenever you start to get these elite quarterbacks who we know what the ceiling is, you know, forget what the average score they've had this season is. We know what the ceiling is in this offense. It's kind of exciting. It really, you know, the the median projection is probably right in line with that QB6 salary expect salary based expectations. But I I do think that it's hard to project exactly the game flow of this game because there are so many people on the Baltimore Ravens defense that were not sure about their status for Sunday because of COVID concerns and if we have a situation where the Baltimore defense is not nearly at their level best, we could have a sneaky shootout on our hands. You know, we saw the Colts put up 41 points. Part of that was because of their, their defensive play, but we saw a team that is usually not prone to shootouts get up into the thirties and forties and scoring. And we know that the Ravens are capable of that. So it's the same thing where we saw Ownership start to shrink for Patrick Mahomes, even though he was expected to win last week. I sort of see a similar situation here. Lamar Jackson is a favorite. He's got under 3% ownership. He's still absolutely in the top six or seven quarterbacks in terms of expected fantasy points per game. And that's just the median. I've said, said it before. I'll say it again. The ceiling is number one overall player on the slate. So, yeah, I'm really intrigued much more than the other running back options, even if Mark Ingram sits again. Okay. Uh, by the way, I, just to backpedal for a second, Atlanta defense in that in that previous game definitely comes into play as, as a solid option. 
I want to pay very close attention to ownership there, though, because uh, I, I do like Denver enough to where I won't, I don't anticipate having a lot of Atlanta if their ownership comes up. But right now, it's right around 7%, nothing crazy. Your thoughts on the rest of Baltimore? Uh, do you want to do, you know, run the naked Lamar Jackson out there? For those of you wondering, not actually naked, but just without any stack, without any pass catcher. Or do you feel comfortable going with maybe a, a Mark Andrews here, a Marcus Brown? I generally never pair two of these pass catchers with Lamar Jackson, especially given how often they run the football and how good their defense is. Yeah, I'm sort of the same way. Now, I'm certainly not averse to pairing him with Andrews or with Brown. Brown still has a true weighted opportunity share inside the top 10 wide receivers in the NFL, but so many of his targets have been off targets, particularly those of the deep variety this year. So what we call empty air yards have been going to Marquise Brown all year. I often correlate Lamar Jackson like I'm correlating with a running back. So if I think I like the Ravens that week, I'll sometimes add the Ravens defense. I'll I'll think of it more like I think about correlations with running backs. In fact, when I'm using Fantasy Cruncher, I'll even create that rule and group Jackson with the running back sometimes. So I'm not against pairing him with Andrews or Brown, but I don't usually play him like that. That's how I end up with a lot of, as you said, naked Lamar on lineups. So what, (laughs) I know what you meant, but Lamar Jackson, very enticing play this week. On the other side for the Indianapolis Colts, if he plays, my favorite play of the slate is T.Y. Hilton. And I'm just kidding, Red Dog. I'm just kidding. He, his guy, oh man, the the tilt has been real in chat the past couple weeks. Now I'm just joking. Uh, I just hope he doesn't play so we don't even have to discuss it, but uh, I, I can't you got me. I was with like, anyone wow. from the Colts. Uh, I'm personally not going to spend a lot of time here. You're more than welcome to, uh, especially given that Taylor was was limited at practice. But I think much of our time could be better used elsewhere. You tell me. Yeah, I mean, we saw two Naheem Hines wheel route touchdowns that sort of changed the face of that game last week against the Lions. Uh, we're not going to expect that every week. One thing I did notice is that the Colts, who have this renowned offensive line, one of the reasons why many dynasty fantasy football players were so excited about Jonathan Taylor, they're down with some of the worst teams in yards per carry this season. Yeah, they're 32nd in the league in yards per carry this season. So this isn't a running this isn't a running strength team. And so now you're talking about Phillip Rivers, who we have concerns about the deep ball consistently. And I guess that increases the viability of the short passing back, which we assume is Hines. And I guess with him being the 33rd running back in salary this weekend, there's some viability there. It looks like the Osmo projections have him inside the top 25 but that's not that exciting to me. Jonathan Taylor, the projections have him right in line with that running back 12 salary. I do expect him to play. He did practice already this week, which is a great sign for running backs. Um, yeah, it's just not it's just not a place that I really love, especially, especially if the Ravens defense does get most of those players who were considered high risk earlier in the week. They get most of those players back on the field. I think the Colts are going to be stymied all day. There's just a lot more. There's just many other places that we can go on this slate. I, I don't even, you know, I'm not particularly happy or, or concerned about getting away from this one. They both have totals uh, south of 25. Maybe it shoots out, but if it does, I can't imagine that ownership is going to really cripple us. It, it's a spot where, like you said, going just single Lamar Jackson makes some sense. 
aside from that, uh, I, I think we can do better. And one of those spots, while it will have some ownership itself, is Houston and Jacksonville. Our fifth game of the slate, Matt, has a total of 50 points. Houston laying seven uh, on the road against Jacksonville. The, earlier this season, we saw Houston snap their four straight losing games or their 0-4 start to the season. They, they snapped that skid with a 30-14 to 14 win over the Jaguars. Uh, Deshaun Watson finished with 30 DraftKings points. And you just saw overall, finally, this team started to get on track. I'm looking at this as one that, one, will be popular. Our top stack tool currently has Houston as the highest projected own stack and not the highest top stack probability. But with uh, Jake Luton on the other side of this one, it, it really does feel like you could be looking at a, a, an absolute offensive explosion from the Houston Texans. How are you approaching it, knowing that we're going to have some pretty serious popularity from both the ground game and the passing game? Yeah, well, I can't get away from the ground game, so we'll start there. I can't get away from David Johnson. He's absolutely in my player pool. We've already seen multiple players just torch the Jaguars on the ground. I believe Joe Mixon's 40-plus point game was there this season, and it's just a place where I think we can absolutely exploit it, even though he's coming in as the second highest projected owner, own running back on the slate. Nonetheless, at the 16th highest salary running back, and with the expected workload that we have for David Johnson, I think it's just a smash play, simple as that. Now, with Deshaun Watson and his receiving options, it gets a little bit more complicated than we wanted to. Obviously, the team was fine moving Will Fuller if the price was right, which means that they're not incredibly interested in featuring him if they didn't have to now that he's still a member of the Texans I'm sure he's going to get his typical usage he is top 15 in true weighted opportunity share which combines air yards and target share so I don't hate it but he's within the top 10 wide receivers in terms of salary the Osmo projections are a little bit lower than that and you're not going to be alone in that bet he's looking at around nine percent projected ownership himself I don't love that play. I just simply don't love that play. It's Will Fuller and Deshaun Watson. We've seen 50-plus point fantasy games from it. I'm not saying it's impossible, and certainly the Jaguars aren't a scary defense on the ground or through the air, but it's just not one that I'm going to be overweight on compared to the field. So who are your top options outside of David Johnson from the Houston Texans? I think I take a look at Brandon Cooks. Yeah, me too. Brandon Cooks has uh, expected fantasy points of 12.7 fantasy points per game. That's 29th in the league right now. And his salary-based expectation puts him at wide receiver 23. That's razor, razor thin. That's very close. The Osmo projections are actually within the top 20 for him. And you're getting lower ownership as well. So when you combine all of those factors, I think I would leverage the field a little bit by going Cooks, and I wouldn't I wouldn't fault you for going Cobb either. I think they're going to continue to use him. Obviously, the ceiling's a little bit lower, but so is the salary. You're looking at 4,500 for Cobb this weekend. I'll tell you what, something I mentioned, I was very adamant on Twitter, on on SiriusXM about this throughout this the season before the season began. That, uh, the the Houston passing game was the most egregiously undervalued and overlooked spot in fantasy drafts this season not as much to Sean Watson because it's hard to you know put immense value on quarterbacks at such a deep position I mean I stream them all the time and still do fine but the fact that Brandon Cooks and Will Fuller were going in like the eighth round uh, at some points Cooks was going in the ninth round uh, despite being a four straight season with a hundred or a thousand plus uh, receiving yards guy and then last year just stung 
their their value was so low. And I know people worry about injuries, but you can't you can't injury proneness is a myth. Maybe there's one or here an exception to the rule, but people get hurt in their first couple of years and then they never get hurt again. You have guys that never get hurt. And then look at me, Christian McCaffrey, guy was never missed a game, never, never missed time. And now he's been out for half the season almost. Frank Gore was considered injury prone when he entered the league. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I'm never going in, especially a DFS game. I'm never going into being like, man, he might get hurt. No, that's crazy. Uh, unless he's injured and you're thinking they're not playing him at hundred percent, but how do we know anyway? So uh, I'm with you there, man. I, I really like cooks this week. You're getting a $1,300 discount from Fuller. And, and unlike the, unlike the Seattle Seahawks where Tyler Lockett is getting insane ownership because of that discounted price point cooks is $1,300 less than Fuller. He's getting 8% Fuller is getting 10%. So he's actually getting less than Will Fuller. The Jacksonville Jaguars, James Robinson, you're going to have to pay a premium for him. He's coming in uh, around the same price tag as some other really good running backs. He's also coming off his best uh, game as a pro, 119 rushing with a score. And he also uh, found the end zone in the passing game as well against that Chargers defense. Do you like him here? Are you willing to pay up for him? Are you liking anyone from the Jacksonville Jaguars? Yeah, yeah. I like James Robinson. This guy's good. Yeah. I know he's on a bad team and I know we really need to bet on usage here because we can't expect touchdowns. We can't expect efficiency. And it, it certainly has the ability to go wrong. They're starting a quarterback we've never seen on a football field before, at least on an NFL football field. It certainly could go wrong, but I want players that are getting all of the backfield opportunities. And I want players that are getting lots and lots of looks in the receiving game. And often when we have new quarterbacks enter the field, unless they're really big rushing quarterbacks, we see them target short area targets because they're simply easier to complete. So that leads me first and foremost to James Robinson. I'm absolutely fine paying the running back four salary it's going to take to get there. I saw that the Osmo projections are even higher than that. And his expected fantasy points, again, for the Jacksonville Jaguars backup running backup running back before Leonard Fournette left town, He's the fifth highest running back in expected fantasy points per game. That just shows you what usage does for you. And when you have usage that high, you almost, I say almost, don't care about game script. Then when you add in game script here, I think it's going to be fine. I think there's a chance for lots of points to be scored. Not a guarantee, but I like it a lot. And there's also the fact that Houston's allowing more yards per attempt than no team's allowing more yards per attempt on the ground than Houston this season. They they've been really bad. Uh, their right. their run defense has really really struggled. So I'm with you there. There's sticker shock at first, Matt. You know, you look at that you're like, oh my god, seven thousand dollars. That's a lot of money to pay for a guy that you know nobody knew who he was before August. But yeah, you know, I'm sorry, not you know what I mean. Just I mean, he was in the FCS. It's it's fine if you didn't follow Illinois State going right. into the season. It's okay, right? But there are going to be some players priced around him that we'll get to later in the show. First move, let's move. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere 
and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Move on to Detroit and Minnesota. But before we do, um, I've had some questions about this. I was just actually looking at DMs right now uh, about some of the the pack, the subscriptions that we have. Because I mentioned, I guess because I mentioned it earlier on the Showdown Strategy Show. But yeah, the, there's all of our showdown content is included in the express package, which is less than $4 a week, $3.95 a week. Uh, it's not just the showdown content, but with that is the showdown ownership for all of our showdown sites, showdown player projections, the top player tool, which you know, looks at these games, these players from a probability standpoint. What's the probability that they finish as the top overall performer, right? Because you have the captain spot. What's the, the likelihood that they finish between two and six? You can really use these type of numbers to your advantage. That's why Alex Baker, awesome, number one ranked player in the world. Call him what you want to. Uh, that's why he designed these type of tools. Uh, that's why he designed the top stack tool, right? Which gives you the probability that a team is the top stack, so the highest performing stack. Also, though, their value and their projected ownership. So you might see one that doesn't have the highest top stack probability, right? But their ownership is way low, and it's way lower than the likelihood that they are the top stack. You can use that stuff uh, to, to leverage ownership and, and, and the probability that they're the best stack against the field. Use the value. There's so many different ways that you can work that in. Our ownership projections, player projections, that's just, that's just scratching the surface, right? We've got the lineup builder. We've got uh, the Fantasy Cruncher add-on. All of our articles, premium and uh, premium articles uh, from everyone. Matt Savoka right here with me does an awesome job on his every single week. Uh, there's there's way more than I can get to, but if you go to awesome.com, you'll see uh, everything we have under the NFL tab. If you want to get baseball, basketball, football, PGA, NASCAR, esports, all of that stuff as well, we have something for that. The Awesome Plus Platinum. You get everything included. You can do weekly, monthly, annual, doesn't matter. And like I said, if you're working on a budget, you can even do the Express Pass for less than $4 a week. Uh, I believe in these tools. I think all of us that are here do. And obviously Alex Baker does because he's won a ton of money and is still ranked number one in the world. So go to awesome.com slash join. Check it out. If you have any questions, you can DM me at Lafay underscore D, L-O-U-G-H-Y underscore D on Twitter. And be sure to join the premium Slack chat when you do. Uh, that comes with a subscription. You got people talking DFS, sports betting, everything around the clock. It's a great community. While you're at it, follow our boy Matt Savoka at Draftaholic on Twitter. All right, Matt. Detroit, Minnesota, the Lions coming into this one, getting four points. Road dogs against the Vikings. 52-point total, though, makes this one a little bit interesting. You've got uh, the you've got the Lions with a 24-point implied total, 28. For the Vikings, pretty similar numbers, actually, to that Atlanta and Denver game that we just discussed. Yeah, and this one's really hard to project on Thursday. Sometimes we get into these situations where we just don't quite know everything we're going to know on Sunday afternoon. And obviously, Matthew Stafford being placed at least right now on the COVID-19 list is the major storyline of this game. Now, I just noticed this morning 
that Matthew Stafford's wife posted on social media that the whole family had posted negative, which is wonderful considering, considering the health problems that that family has had over the last few years. But it's, it's also wonderful that no one in that family has the virus, needless to say. But it obviously changes our outlook for the game if he is in or out. Now, I kind of hedged a little bit as I submitted my article saying that, you know, with Stafford, this is a much closer game. And obviously that's why it's going to have a 53-point total. Without Stafford and without Kenny Galladay, no one has to tell our viewers here that that is such a different Lions team than that might just make the entire team a stay-away option. Now, I'm already a little concerned about that because when you take away Kenny Galladay from an offense, that's like taking Julio Jones out of an Atlanta Falcons offense. It's like taking Cortland Sutton out of the Denver Broncos offense. So I are, I'm already a little concerned about this team that when they were down big last week without Kenny Galladay in the lineup after he left, they weren't able to come back even though they were down big in the second half and Matthew Stafford just kept on passing. His numbers ended up looking okay. I believe he was in the top 10 of quarterbacks and fantasy points last week. But, uh, you know, I'm very concerned about this Lions team if they have to rely on TJ Hawkinson and then Marvin Jones at whatever state he's in health-wise as their one and two options here. I definitely think this is an opportunity for the Vikings to play the football they want to play, which is mostly on the ground, mostly giving the ball to Dalvin Cook. And that means the probability of a shootout is actually a little bit lower than this implied total says in this game. It's it's a great point and concerns that I've had too. Earlier in the season, I think both of us thought that this team would be throwing the football a lot more too. Uh, and, and it just hasn't been the case, but um it's it, it it's oh God. So is there anyone? Because I don't even want to dive into this much more. I want to try and keep this show to a reasonable level. You know what I mean, Matt? <laughs> uh, and I think you did a pretty good job of laying out all the important facts here. Anyway, is there anyone on this team that that you do feel good about? Well, I think it's important to say that if you look at quality opportunities again, that's the receiving targets for a running back or rushes inside the ten yard line, which technically can go to a receiver or a tight end as well you still have DeAndre Swift absolutely crushing the rest of these running backs in terms of quality opportunities. Now it doesn't look that way because carry on Johnson gets the goal line rush. He gets a score there and it kind of takes away from the fact that overall the high value opportunities are going to DeAndre Swift. He's still the 23rd running back in terms of salary this weekend on DraftKings, And the Osmo projections come in much, much higher than that. I think they're assuming Stafford will play. And I'm seeing that he, it looks like he has a possibility of testing negative enough times in order to play. But if he does, I think Swift is a great, great option, assuming that he gets the, the targets and he was looking at 15 opportunities a game, assuming they're not passing the the whole second half like they were last week. All right. And I'll just throw one more out there. Uh, Marvin Hall, if you're looking to, to scrape the, the, the basement floor with plays in terms of salary, uh, Marvin Hall has at least been getting deep threat or a deep ball opportunities. So let's say he does happen to see five or six targets in the event that Matthew Stafford's healthy. Uh, and we know that Kenny Galladay is very unlikely to play. So I, I saw that he was a candidate for the IR, but they still haven't, I don't think they've ruled him out yet, Matt. So are, right? are they doing a lot of movement to IR on the Saturday before games this season where they switch yeah, they could practice be. squad players? I they think, could be. I, think I just mean they haven't even said he's out yet for this game, but I don't think any of us expect him to play. 
Uh, ultimately, yeah, they brought in Mohamed the- Sanu to to work out. That's that's also something that. Oh yeah, I, I don't see any way he plays, but uh, he's throwing it out there. Marvin Hall did was targeted seven times last game, crossed the hundred yard threshold, and uh, matter of fact, Marvin Hall almost scored, which would have been a monster game. I'm not saying I expect that, but if you need somebody really cheap, let's say you're stacking up Kansas City and you throw Christian McCaffrey in there, that might be a good way to to free things up if there's not a lot of good value come Sunday. Uh, And then Marvin Jones is cheap, 5,100. He's coming off two solid games, his first, and then a two-touchdown performance, which we've seen him do a couple of times. I agree with you. This game is not as appealing to me as I thought it would be, but there are a couple spots where if they went off, I I wouldn't be surprised by it either. What are you doing on the Minnesota side, knowing that we have uh, Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson, two very, very good wide receivers. One of them, Matt Savoke, or Matt uh, Gajewski yesterday on, on the Wednesday show said that he thinks Jefferson might be the number one now, which is an interesting take. And then Dalvin Cook, who last week absolutely went off. He's got another tasty matchup against a um, against the Detroit Lions run defense that has had some serious struggles defending the run this year. Yeah, well, I don't think that's that hot of a take about Jefferson being the wide receiver one because Alexander was spending most of the day, yep. Alexander of the Packers spent most of the day oh, covering Jefferson. Jefferson. They were more concerned about getting beat by Jefferson than getting beat underneath by Thielen. Pretty remarkable. Now, yeah, it really is, especially since he's still just a rookie. And the big thing here is that both of those players ended up just getting four targets, I believe. So it was really all about Dalvin Cook the whole game in the receiving game and, of course, in the backfield rushing attack. And I think that had a lot to do with the weather. Let's let's not get it twisted. But also, they were unstoppable. The Packers couldn't stop Dalvin Cook anytime he got the ball. And so you don't move away from something that is working as stupendously well as the small Kirk Cousins to Dalvin Cook connection or just handing him the ball was working last weekend. That's not going to be the case every week. We've already seen 12 target games from Justin Jefferson, so that's absolutely in the range of outcomes here. And like you said, the Lions have been susceptible through the air. Uh, I'm looking right now in terms of their last few weeks, they're exactly at league average, but in terms of points per play, they're they're one of the worst teams in the league in points allowed per play. So I wouldn't be surprised if this became a shootout, a necessary shootout because the Vikings just scored a bunch of points, which is the exact same game flow that we saw the Colts do to the Lions last week. Okay. We're through six, Matt. We've got five to go. We got a giveaway happening, uh, by the way, if you haven't checked it out at our Twitter handle, awesomeo underscore com. Uh, If you want to win some good stuff, I mean, some great stuff, it's $250 value giveaway. Uh, It's Awesome O Plus NFL yearly pass. All of our NFL content for a full uh, calendar year, $250 value. All you have to do is answer whether or not Aaron Jones or Nick Mullins will have more passing yards tonight, right? Seems easy enough. Probably have a good idea where most of these answers will go to. Anyway, all you have to do is reply to that with your answer, and you got to follow awesomeo underscore com and awesomeo NFL. It's that easy. Like the tweet as well. Follow the directions. It's very simple. But for a two hundred and fifty dollars awesomeo plus uh, platinum NFL package, what's the what's the reason not to throw your hat in the ring if you're not already a sub? So check that out at awesomeo underscore com. We've got the uh, New York Giants and the Washington Football Team. 
on the uh, docket here, one of the last 1 p.m. games that we're going to touch on, the Washington, uh, the football team is a two and a half point favorite, 42 point total here. Imagine Washington's favorite in a game by almost a field goal against the Giants. <laughs> it's a really ugly game, but maybe we can pick and choose a couple spots that we're interested in. I don't know. Maybe not your thoughts. And like, you know, maybe, maybe like Evan Ingram is cheap and at a bad tight end position. I suppose there are some spots that we can eke out some value, but it's kind of ugly on the giant side of the ball when your dogs to the, uh, to the, to Washington. Yeah. I'm, I was certainly surprised when I saw this line and, and I think it has to do with the respect for the Washington defense, especially the defensive line. I think the giants offensive line could absolutely struggle with the pressure from Washington. And that could end up being the, the, for, the most forceful unit in this game. But we do have to say that Darius Slayton has a top 15 true weighted opportunity share. He's getting tons of looks. And I think there's a scenario where the giants end up controlling the flow of this game. Now I do want to take this time to mention that I, I, I hinted at a study that I wasn't sure of uh, talking about divisional games last week. And it has to do I looked it up and it has to do with second time opponents. So when you play a team for the second time, as I believe this game is for the giants and Washington, you often see games go under their total and they already have a 43 point total. So not to say that since the time of that writings, bookmakers haven't improved their ability somewhat, but as you were sort of hinting here, it's also possible that there's just like so few points here that we don't really want anyone. Darius Slayton is the first option I'm looking for in terms of the skill position players on the Giants. And I will consider Daniel Jones. He's the 18th highest quarterback in salary. His expected fantasy points are right there, but you're going to get less than 3% ownership. You're seeing him in the Osmo projections this week, actually inside the top 15. So you're getting a little bit of value there. He's one of those quarterbacks who has a rushing ability, as we've seen before, that isn't priced way up which is somewhat rare, as we were talking about, in 2020. So that's where the appeal is, not because I think the game environment really sticks out and I'm really looking to play Giants. So they're not looking in the running backs, uh, even though <laughs> that Deion Lewis catch was real nice last week. Yeah, that was beautiful. And the, the, around the pylon or corner end zone, Jones has thrown nine interceptions to seven touchdowns this year. His last two games have been a little bit better, though, and I think against Tampa Bay, despite a couple of mistakes that really haunted them, uh, he was he was serviceable. You know, he wasn't necessarily the reason they lost that game. So credit there. But uh, I'd rather I'd personally rather go to Drew Locke if I'm going towards the bottom. I know he doesn't have the rushing upside, and that definitely makes a difference. So I take nothing away from that. Uh, but I think that game has considerably more shootout potential. So I'll, I'll hang my hat on that. Uh, right now, with the 42 point total in this one, the Giants have a sub 20 point implied total. So not so far off from Denver, but. Uh, yeah, if I'm going to go cheap, I'd probably go to lock. What about the Washington side, knowing that Antonio Gibson is coming off a really spectacular game, got 20 carries for the first time in his career. That was also against the Dallas team that is just awful at defending the run. I mean, it is getting to a point where it's comical. And now you're favored, you know, two and a half point favorites. Does Antonio Gibson come in and get another big workload on the ground against the Giants? It's it's not the craziest thing to play Antonio Gibson just because fundamentally you're looking at a team that doesn't have a huge passing attack beyond Terry McLaurin. We'll get there in a minute and is a home favorite. 
it's sometimes that simple. It might be an ugly game script. It might be less points than we want in terms of our running backs, but home favorite running backs tend to do really well. And you're talking about a player that's outside the top 12 in running back salary this weekend. You're paying under 6,000 on DraftKings for Antonio Gibson services. And you're looking at a player who's less than 3% owned. owned. It looks like 2.6% is his latest ownership projection on awesomeo.com. The matchup in terms of the Giants yards per carry allowed isn't, isn't that great. I think the Giants are actually in the top five in yards allowed per carry, but I don't think it's crazy at all. The projections have it right in line with his salary based expectations. But what you're really saying here is fundamentally, I believe that Washington's going to win. I believe that they're going to stymie the Giants offense and they're just going to limit the game the limit the amount of plays in the game by running the ball consistently. And that means Antonio Gibson. Uh, I still think that Terry McLaurin is my favorite play from this game and from this side of the ball. He's number one in true weighted opportunity share, the metric that I look at for combining target share and air yard share. And he's outside the top 12. He's 13th in wide receiver salary this weekend. Needless to say, the Osmo projections have him inside the top eight and I think that he's actually a little bit of a discount at 6,500 this weekend. I think you could, you could definitely go there, definitely do worse at that price, price point. I really like it, even if yeah. he's going to be shadowed by Bradbury. Yeah, I mean, he was shadowed by Bradbury a couple of weeks ago. He still had seven for 74. If you get into the end zone there, you're talking about a, a 20-plus fantasy point game. He was targeted 12 times. Uh, and now he's been targeted 11 plus times in three of his last four games, even in ones where they controlled the game like Dallas. Uh, ultimately, and this was the same point I made about McLaurin last time when there was a lot of, you know, chatter about James Bradbury, who I, I think is fantastic. Uh, but when there's really nobody else to throw to, you're still going to get the opportunities. And, you know, probably a double, no, another double digit workload in terms of targets for for McLaurin you know anybody that's gonna it's likely to see 10 plus targets to me is is still pretty viable and he showed that it's not like they went away from him with Bradbury shadowing him last last uh game and he still racked up seven for 74 not you know historical numbers but definitely pretty good so uh that's all I have for this one though Matt 50% 50% target sh- uh, red zone target share for Terry McLaurin over the last three weeks. Not to say that Washington's in the red zone a lot, but when they are, they're looking Terry McLaurin's way. Yeah, that's pretty remarkable. Uh, Chicago and Tennessee. The Chicago Bears are six-point dogs here now at 46-and-a-half. We did have some news, though, uh, about this game overall with someone testing positive for COVID-19, and I lost it. Do you do you have who it was? I lost I, it. I actually don't. I'm sorry. Uh, hold well, on. I'll, I'm I'll sure someone it. in chat will let us know. Yeah, they might be able to. I believe it was an offensive lineman. Uh, and if that's the case, let's see here. Okay. Cody so, Whitehair, yes. Offensive lineman, Cody Whitehair. Okay. So, you know, we might have some offensive line troubles there with the high-risk target rules. And uh, Rappaport said, at first glance, it doesn't appear there are, any, are many close contacts for Whitehair. Uh, and the team benefits from already being in the intensive protocol. But the Bears decided to be virtual today, go beyond the requirements, and keep further spread at bay. So okay. it looks like we should um, have no delays or postponements for this game as it stands right now. Uh, ultimately, though, the question is, how much are you looking for from the Chicago side of the ball? Allen Robinson, one of the most heavily targeted players in the league this season. it's come down a little bit recently, but he's had a couple – 
uh, less than stellar matchups, particularly against the Rams. Uh, and then David Montgomery, the workload has been insane since Terry Cohen went down, but he just can't manage to do anything with it. Like Matt, he's, he's getting almost all of the running back opportunities. Cordero Patterson's mixed in a little bit, but you've now seen five plus targets in five straight games, all of them coming after Terry Cohen got hurt. Uh, and, you know, the 14 plus attempts in, in most of these, he just hasn't been productive. Yeah. And I want to do, I do want to give him a little bit of credit. I believe he is in the top 20 in total yards per game since Tariq Cohen came out. But like that's said, not great when you consider how much he's getting the ball. Exactly what I was going to say. The opportunity share is way higher than that. Uh, the only thing I'll say is when you get opportunities like that, you often get opportunities to score. And He's the 15th highest salary running back on the main slate, and his expected points per game total is right in line with that. So, yes, I see some more appealing options at that 5,700 uh, salary point where he's at this weekend, but it really doesn't preclude him from succeeding because of that high usage. Running backs who get three, 30% or more of the opportunity share, as Montgomery projects to do, are always players we want on our radar. And it doesn't necessarily mean they'll succeed, but with this passing offense continuing to struggle with Nick Foles, even, even with Allen Robinson on the field, if you're going to look anywhere, I think David Montgomery is the safest choice. He is going to be the sixth highest running back in terms of projected ownership this week, so you won't be alone. Yeah, I don't hate him. Uh, I just wish he was a little bit lower owned. When I saw that he was almost 20%, uh, got a little bit surprised by that. Uh, aside from, or on the other side of this game, you've got the Tennessee Titans. Again, touchdown favorites here. Derrick Henry ownership has been very high from week to week. Uh, and it's been you know, one of the most polarizing conversations has been whether to play or fade Henry with his lack of receiving upside. This week, with our latest update, we have him around 16.9%. That is, wow, fourth highest running back right now. Mind you, Christian McCaffrey, if he plays, probably surpasses that. But uh, we'll start with Derrick Henry, and then feel free to work your way to the pass catchers here. Yeah, Derrick Henry is a home favorite running back who's going to get at least 25 opportunities, if not 30, if the game script goes in the Tennessee Titans' favor. That's always a player that we're going to want to consider because he could easily have 150-plus yards and multiple touchdowns. We've seen these ceiling games before. Like you said, we often need the game script to, to aid Derrick Henry into these have-to-have-it slate-breaking scores. Is it out of the question here against, you know, against a team in the Bears that has played some closer games? They've gone into overtime already this, uh, this season with teams that we thought that they were playing a little bit, uh, that they were worse than overall in terms of offensive ability. Yeah, it's possible, but I actually think I'm looking closer to the passing game than I am on the rushing game here. Although I will say that the Osmo projections disagree with me here. Something I like to do is wait to see those projections so I can form my own opinion, but I'm noticing that AJ Brown has a projection much, much lower than his wide receiver 12 salary base expectation. And Corey Davis is actually inside the top 20 wide receivers in salary. Needless to say, the projections are much lower than that. Doesn't mean they can't hit. It just means that the running game in terms of median projections looks a little safer. So Derrick Henry might be the play. Okay. Do you have interest in anybody else here that we haven't touched on from Tennessee? 
maybe Adam Humphreys, you're looking at a 3,400 uh, receiver in a team that could score, that's implied for something somewhere between 26, 27 points. If they score one more touchdown than that, than that, then yeah, you want access to that offense in a certain way. But eh, not really. Jonu Smith, I saw his projection is a little bit higher than his tight end 13 salary base expectation. But again, we're looking for efficiency and or touchdowns there. I think I'd rather bet on the usage. Okay. So Matt, we've got the Vegas Raiders and the LA Chargers in what I think is a, is a pretty interesting game for a number of reasons. Uh, the total is at 52 Chargers lay only one point. So it's you know, virtually a pick them. It's crazy that this, Las Vegas Chargers or LA Chargers team has been so good yet so bad. They're the most inexplicable team you're ever going to find in football. And it's been happening for years. They are up in, in a ton of games. They should be winning games. They're actually a good roster, a good team, and they blow it all the time. The amount of one possession, one score games that they've lost, not only this season, but every year is, is, is mind-numbing like it's hard to even wrap your head around but because those things are supposed to be random right exactly but, but not with it doesn't feel it it are. doesn't feel that way i yeah. i'm completely with you it just feels like for years they've been on the wrong end of the, the coin flip so to speak yeah and when's the last time they've had a kicker that they can rely on like to get in that that game-winning field goal or game-tying field goal couldn't yeah. tell you well, we'll start with the yeah. yeah we'll start with the raiders Derek carr last week uh Remote, relatively popular. This is why sometimes these cheap quarterbacks can really let you down because he was dreadful. It also wasn't a great weather game, and they got the win 16-6. But uh, all in all, it was pretty rough. Josh Jacobs, on the other hand, which is where we can start this, uh, Matt, 31 attempts for 129 yards. Amazingly, he only had 15.9 DraftKings points. I mean, that is just disappointing. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 31 attempts and you finish with sub-16 DraftKings points. The efficiency just simply hasn't been there this year for Josh Jacobs, averaging 3.6 yards per attempt. But now we've got him coming in against the L.A. Chargers, and it looks like once again he'll have uh, at least decent ownership here. As of now, he has very high ownership. I don't know if it stands, but he's at 25.3%, third highest projected owned player on the slate yeah, and I think it makes sense. You just see that those opportunity numbers crest 30, and you're like, well, give me all that usage. But the receiving numbers weren't there. 
I believe all of those yardage numbers came on the ground. I could be wrong there. I don't have it right in front of me, but a large majority came on the ground. And, you know, that means that you essentially don't get those PPR points and means you need touchdowns in order to get a really good drafting score, despite seeing so many opportunities. And that's really frustrating. It almost seems like the Raiders have done everything in their power not to pass Josh Jacobs the ball. They have Jalen Richard. They have Devontae Booker involved. Now they're getting Henry Ruggs back and more involved. And, and it just seems like they don't want to throw in the ball that often, despite the coach speak, especially in the preseason, saying the opposite. So, you know, I'm believing what they're doing more than what they're saying here. The first option you got to look is Darren Waller because that is the actual player who's getting the opportunities. He's got 25% of the team's targets over the last three games. And so, you know, even though Josh Jacobs looks on paper like the guy that you might want, I'd rather just take the passing game. I'll stack Carr and Waller, and I'm I'm fine trying to get access to a high total game that way. I'm, I'm really okay without Jacobs this week. Okay. I'm okay without him too at that ownership. You got to be kidding me. Uh, again, I don't. I'm think okay being wrong. I guess is what I'm saying. What's that? I'm okay being wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. So am I. Uh, because had you taken this approach on Jacobs most of the season, you'd have been right. You know, that's that's one way to look at it. But uh, yeah, so the the other side, and and you mentioned Darren Waller. I still think yeah, he's definitely viable here. You let a lot of people down last week. Once again, the weather played a role, and it shouldn't play any factor here. On the opposite side, the L.A. Chargers, Justin Herbert's been spectacular, right? But they, aren't, they, they still haven't been winning the games they should be winning. They should have beat Tampa. Uh, they should have beat the New Orleans Saints. They were up 21-3 at halftime, uh, or 21-10, but they were up 21-3 at one point. Uh, they should have beat Denver. That game never should have even been competitive. And they allowed them to get back into it. It is remarkable how this team has won one game all season long. If I told you that and you watched them all but didn't know the final score, you'd think I was crazy. But it's true. And Justin Herbert's been uh, been really good. Keenan Allen has been arguably the most dependable receiver in the league outside of Devontae Adams. There's a lot of things going on here that... The Chargers make for really good team stacks. They make for good game stacks because they can never put opposing uh, offenses away. Right, right. And, you know, if you get into these game scripts, even if a team scores all 20 or 24 of their 27 or 30 points in the first half, and then the other team comes roaring back as the Chargers have tended to let other teams do, you're still getting all those fantasy points in a game. It doesn't really matter when they come. And in terms of this matchup in particular, Las Vegas is really not a strong defense. If, if you look at these points allowed per play, they're 30th in the league. If you look at yards allowed per pass attempt, they're uh, 26th in the league. And Justin Herbert has had multiple top five performances as the fantasy, fantasy quarterback position already this season. So I think it's a highly exploitable matchup. And again, just like you said, we know where he's going with the ball. It's Keenan Allen or Mike Williams. Now, I also wanted to say, as I was researching this article, Hunter Henry has definitely taken a little bit of a backseat and he's not being used as that red zone option that we saw him sort of t- trend towards with Philip Rivers. 
He's tied for fourth, I believe, on the team in red zone targets since Justin Herbert took over. So really, I'm looking at Keenan Allen. And if I'm pivoting away from that, because I know other people are going to be there, I believe his projected ownership is up near 22%. It's Mike Williams. I'm completely fine taking a chance on him as the 28th highest salary wide receiver on the slate. Uh, I see that he's under 5% ownership this weekend and the Osmo projections higher than that salary based expectations. Sign me up. All right. Good stuff there, man. It's a pretty succinct layout there of this chargers team overall from a game standpoint, how much do you like this one for stacking purposes? And I will say this right now, uh, Las Vegas has a 6.3% ownership, like stack ownership or aggregate ownership. We're looking at really it's quarterback ownership, but that's the Mm -hmm. only way you can really do it with this. It's not like that baseball where you can just, you know, aggregate all of the ownership there. 3% 3% top stack probability. So very, very low there. Big discrepancy. Whereas the Chargers are at Justin Herbert's ownership, 7.6% ownership, 7.2% top stack uh, probability. So that's right in line with the ownership there. Uh, it definitely seems like the the tool, at least, the top stack tool is liking the Chargers more than Vegas. And I think it should. Yeah, I think what you're seeing here is they're not going to be the 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 game's uh, flow that we're going to leverage because the implied totals of these teams indicate to basically all fantasy gamers that this is an exciting matchup. So you're not going to be alone. That doesn't mean it isn't one of the best on the slate. All right. All of our shows, guys, are available in podcast form. We've had the question asked before, hey, is it only on YouTube? No, you can listen to it. Well, I think we have have Twitch too and pretty much any platform you can find, but particularly podcast platforms, if you don't feel like doing it on your phone and YouTube, you don't have premium. So you can't turn your phone off while you listen and all of that stuff. Go to iTunes, go to any podcast platform, check out the awesome podcast. It's the same thing right here that you can listen to in podcast form. Simple as that. Uh, And by the way, if you guys wanted to check out some free content on the site today, uh, especially for tonight's showdown between the Packers and the 49ers, the NFL showdown projections are free and the NFL rankings for week nine. The MMA Top Fighters tool, also free. If you wanted to check that out for Saturday's fight uh, or Saturday's card, you can do that. So even if you're not a premium sub, go ahead and check that out. See if you like it. I think you will. Uh, and, and peruse around a little bit. Check it out. You know, get a feel for the area. All right, Matt, we, we're down nine. We've got two to go. Miami and Arizona. Miami defense, integral in winning tournament and tournament winning lineups last week. Now they travel out west to Arizona to face the Cardinals, a team that is coming off a primetime win against the Seattle Seahawks. I, I said it was the most fun game I've watched all year. Uh, That's I, a great call. It was it was great for fantasy for me. Remember, that was the game that was included on the 4 p.m. slate because of the flexing out of from COVID. So you know, all in all, I think I'm probably biased because it was my best slate of the year. But I had so much fun watching that. Uh, and I think we all did. Now they're four and a half point favorites with a 48 and a half point total. And our boy Tua Tagovailoa, what a tough name. What a weird name. Tua Tagovailoa is coming off of his first start where he got through it. But he got through it thanks to the defense. I want to hear your breakdown. Uh, yeah, doesn't have to you know be anything insane, but your breakdown on what you saw from Tua in his first start. Uh, You saw a player that was asked to do very little is really what I saw. You saw a team that with that aid of defensive scoring 
didn't need to do anything but control the game clock, which yeah. is why you saw Miles Gaskin. I believe he had a 50% opportunity share. So you're really asking Tua to hand the ball off or give the ball to his running back. That's not really what we're going to see every single game. So my cop-out answer is we saw nothing. We saw almost nothing. We saw the game script play out for Tua. Would we have liked to see his yards per attempt? I believe it was under five. Yeah, we would like to see that higher. Would we like to see him score more than one passing touchdown? Absolutely. But it's a situation where the sample size is too small and the game script was so dependent on those defensive scores that we really don't know much about this offense with Tua at all yet. And, and what a shame for Miles Gaskin, I should add, too, who is having a really, really nice season. Just looking up some of his stats before we got on the air today. He's just, you know, le- leading the team in opportunities, obviously, but he's top 10 in route participation and receptions and in receiving yards. It's just, you know, a really solid season for a player who kind of came out of nowhere. Matt Burita, who is the next in line, we would assume to take on those carries. Now that miles Gaskin has actually been put on IR, he's also not practicing this week. So I'm not sure if that means we're going to get more of Jordan Howard, who hasn't recorded an opportunity since week four or Lynn Bowden, who they traded uh, the Raiders for at the beginning of the season. And we really haven't seen much of him or, you know, I don't think Deandre Washington can play yet because of COVID protocol. So he'll come in next week for them. But now I wonder if because of the running backs dropping like flies, unfortunately, we're going to be forced to see Tua really throw the ball this week. So come back to me in a week. If he can get the ball to Devontae Parker and to Preston Williams, who actually had the highest target share last weekend, though that doesn't mean much when he throws so little, you know, then I'll say something. But right now, this is mostly I'm looking at the Cardinals only as a blowout option and nothing else. Okay. Yeah, I don't have anything to add there. Ultimately, when it comes to somebody like Tua, there's there's so just to go back to him for a moment, there are so many uh, good quarterbacks on this slate that I don't need to get to. And he's down there in the price range of a couple guys you and I already discussed that we said, hey, if we need to go cheap in some lineups, we're going to go there. Uh, and, and I just don't see that being the case here with um, with Gaskin. Sorry, go ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead. You're fine. It was the 12th highest in projected ownership that really surprised me. We basically not seen anything from him and he's going to come in at 4% ownership. It's not like 0.4% ownership. And this is yeah. just a crazy off the wall choice. So you're right. That That's pretty high. And I'm, I'm okay getting away from that for sure. You broke down the backfield with Miles Gaskin out on the other side. And he's on the IR, by the way, on the other side, Arizona, will be without, well, seemingly be without uh, Kenyon Drake. He wasn't at practice today. We actually just got news on that. Uh, so there's just no reason to, to suggest that he's going to be active this week. Enter Chase Edmonds into this game against Miami, a defense that has been, you know, let's give them credit. Uh, they, they've, they've played pretty well. Uh, I'm a big fan of Brian Flores, and I think he coaches this team really well. And I, I, I would say that they're actually – better than people thought this was a team I said will not be in the bottom five this year and I don't know maybe somehow they'll, they'll fall apart but it looks like pretty good I'm not saying that was a crazy bold statement but when I put that prediction out on Twitter I got so much heat for it saying how could you put the Jets bottom five and not the Miami Dolphins well Adam Gase is how fellas <laughs> anyway Chase Edmonds what are your thoughts $6,800 if you're playing him that means you'll be playing him 
uh, over a couple of guys that are also in a similar price range in pretty good spots. But uh, I think the talent he's shown over the, the, the scarce opportunities he's gotten proves that Chase Edmonds can have an absolute blow-up game here, whether it be on the ground or through the air. We've seen it happen before. Yeah, well said. The The ceiling is very, very high for Chase Edmonds, especially, you know, one of the things we, we've said about the Packers in the past is when Aaron Jones isn't available, it actually means Jamal Williams gets more of the opportunities than Aaron Jones would because the secondary option isn't really available to them. It's the same situation here. If Kenyon Drake isn't available, we'll actually see Chase Edmonds get more of the opportunities than Kenyon Drake normally would. Now, DraftKings salary is aware of that, and they actually have him as the sixth highest salary running back on the slate, which makes a ton of sense, especially because they're favored and they're playing a Dolphins team that ranks within the worst five teams in yards per carry. <laughs> that also goes into uh, making me surprised that the Rams threw the ball 60 plus times last weekend. And maybe they regret it a little bit since the Miami defense had such a nice day. But in this matchup, I think that Chase Edmonds is going to have a really, really nice game. The only thing that would take away from his ability or his ceiling is if Kyler Murray rushes for touchdowns, which of course is possible, or they too see an exploit that isn't readily apparent in the statistics and they want to throw the ball as much as the Rams did. I don't think that's the case at all. It's hard for me to say Sean McVay and Jared Goff made a mistake, but it certainly looked like that from my perspective. I love Chase Edmonds at his running back six salary this weekend. So do I. I'm in love with him. Yeah, Jared Goff attempted almost double the amount of passes that he's been averaging on the season last week. Think about that. It's absurd. Was that some sort of like galaxy brain thing that I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is, but it was shocking, especially against Miami. You know, some teams struggle traveling west to east, and that could be an explanation for some of the struggles, but he was really bad. And you're right, they just kept chucking it. Uh, thoughts on the wide receivers, the passing game here. DeAndre Hopkins coming in uh, exorbitantly priced, as he should, as he should, but he's coming in around 10% ownership. Christian Kirk, if he's not scoring, he's not doing shit. But, you know, we keep playing him in spots. And a lot of that's because we've had some, some like, late game and primetime spots where he's a lot more appealing. But uh, to me, I, I think we have a deep enough slate here where we don't have to dive too deep into Arizona. Yeah. I, what, what else is there to say other than DeAndre Hopkins has a top three probability of being the number one overall wide receiver anytime he's on the main slate? You know he's going to get peppered with targets. You know he's going to be top 10 in weighted opportunity at the end of the weekend. And he's wide receiver 12 in terms of projected ownership this week. So it's not like he's way up there. You're looking at a you know 20 plus percent ownership. I like Hopkins. And, and yeah, like you said, I'm only playing Christian Kirk as an off the wall GPP option. I did see that Larry Fitzgerald has an awesome projection higher than his wide receiver 55 salary base expectations. Yes, they still scheme him looks. He has just one game with less than four targets. No, the ceiling is not very high, but I there's going to be a game where Larry Fitzgerald sneaks in two touchdowns and eight catches, and I don't mind taking a few shots in tournaments where I'm multi-entering. Okay. Matt, we're almost there. Say it every week, man. It's a marathon. We're through 10. We've got one to go. You ready to put a bow on this? Let's do it. Let's okay, do it. So Craziest one. It is crazy, <laughs> man. I, I 
talked about it on yesterday's show that when I, I, I set my own line before it came out, because Tuesday we still didn't have one. And I think I, I, think I put it at uh, Pittsburgh 15 or 16 points, uh, 15 or 16 point favorites. I think I had the total a little bit higher than it actually is. But they opened at 13, and I just looked today, and now they are – they had moved to 14, so pretty close, 42-point total. The thing is, it doesn't really matter who Dallas starts at quarterback right now. This team is pitiful. Now, as far as does it matter if it's Danucci or Dalton? Yes, of course it does. But um, now Dalton's already been ruled out and on the COVID-19 guy can't catch a break, Matt. And you're talking about Cooper Rush potentially – uh, getting the start here, there's just no real advantage to looking at this offense and thinking that things could go well. And, and I tweeted a couple of days ago, follow me at Lafay underscore D, L-O-U-G-H-Y underscore D. It's the right thing to do. Um, that it was only a couple of weeks ago that Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup, or I'm sorry, Amari Cooper was a must play every week in season long and pretty much every week in DFS. He was one of the highest owned players. CeeDee Lamb was gaining ground and he wasn't far behind. And even Michael Gallup was a guy that, you know, you and I talked about it all the time. We love to roster him at 3%, 4% ownership because, hey, they're passing 60 times a game and he's going to have a blow up spot eventually. Now, these guys are virtually unplayable. And while we were saying Ezekiel Elliott, Hey, it's going to turn around. It's going to turn around. The offensive line will get healthy. Uh, you know, they'll, they'll start to play with the lead. That never happened. And then Dak got hurt. And now Ezekiel Elliott's value has fallen through the floor. So this Dallas team on all fronts, it's an unmitigated disaster. And to say that they're in dire straits would be a lie because that, that means that there's still you know a chance to, to come out of this alive. There isn't. They're done. They're cooked. Yeah, this is – remember when they started Brandon Whedon? the year that Tony Romo got sure hurt. Do, this, yeah. this feels like that kind of weekend here. And, you know, I think you, you summarized it really, really well. And it's not like we told, we're telling you anything that the public in general doesn't already know. That's why this total is so low. That's why the implied total for the Steelers is so much more than the Cowboys. And that's why the Steelers defense on DraftKings, I believe is the highest salary defense in the history of the DraftKings main slate. So we're talking about one of the highest expectations for a Steelers defense that has been tremendous, especially as a defensive line. They have three top 10 players in PFF's rankings. But boy, I'll say this. I hope they they go with Garrett Gilbert because someone can name their fantasy team what's eating Garrett Gilbert great (laughs) uh, because that's the most exciting thing from this offense right now. Uh, It kind of reminds me with Ezekiel Elliott here. Um, with Leonard Fournette last year, where we knew that the opportunity share was going to be sky high, but we also knew that the offense, uh, particularly using that metaphor from last year, when they didn't have Gardner Minshew on the field or anyone like that, that it was 30 empty touches for Leonard Fournette. And I worry that that's consistent 25 to 30 empty touches for Ezekiel Elliott on an offense that can't hit the red zone, that can't convert on third down, that simply can't move the ball. That's just not an offense we're interested in anymore. You know, I took the time to look at what have the stats looked like since Dak Prescott went down. And, you know, as you would expect, there's been a flattening out of the targets. I believe you have Amari Cooper with 22 targets, CeeDee Lamb with 21, and Michael Gallup with 20. But again, you're looking at a total 
of seven red zone targets between the three since Dak Prescott went down. I don't know how many ways, different ways I can say it here. The ceiling is so low, it's almost non-existent. If you want to get off the wall and play Amari Cooper as the 21st highest salary wide receiver, knock yourself out. Lamb's down at 32. I guess Gallup is the wide receiver 50 in salary is is a GPP option under 1% projected ownership, but that's for good reason. That is for good reason. I'll tell you this much similar to my take on Dalvin cook last week, where he was coming in around the low double digits, high single digits, you know, 10, 11%. If this, if if we get to Sunday and James Conner is still projecting for only 13, 14% ownership, uh, I'm going to be insanely over the field on James Conner and feel great about it. Antonio Gibson, and and I don't even need to get deep into the numbers here. I can just assure you that they're going to run the football an incredible amount. Dallas can't stop the run, particularly up the middle. Guys like Gibson and Boston Scott have run all over them, and neither of those are are exactly on the ground, uh, you know, in between the tackles runners. Right. Just look at anyone. Dearness Johnson and the Browns went for 300-plus rushing yards. I could go on and on and on. Ben Roethlisberger is still a good quarterback. But why not do everything? Why not take the ball out of his hands if you can? I'm not saying the game's going to go that way, but I would be shocked if Dallas finds ways to move the football against an extremely stout Pittsburgh defense. James Conner, 14% ownership to me, is right now my favorite play of the week. Your take on Pittsburgh? We'll wrap this one up, Matt. Great call. It's the same way I'm seeing it. Dallas is 30th on the season in yards per carry and 32nd, dead last, in points per play this season. Hasn't gotten much better over the last three weeks. They're 31st in yards per carry allowed and 29th in points per play allowed. So it's not getting any better, even though they do have some of their linebackers back in play this week. Actually, last week they got them back. Yeah, James Conner is such a no-brainer. And yeah, I was a little surprised to see that four running backs are right now projected to be higher owned than Connor. Bring it on. I think that's one of the most no-brainer options on the slate. Of course, it could be the same situation where we had last week where the Cowboys keep it just close enough as the Jets did to the Chiefs so that the Steelers can use their top five in terms of team aggressiveness offense in neutral game scripts, that is. So they use that a little bit longer, but I think that's trying to guess multiple things. You're trying to guess the game flow, how they get to those points. And especially because they keep rotating this receiver core, none of them are actually playing an 80% snap share. Mm -hmm. You're looking at Connor getting that guaranteed opportunity share under 7,000, lock it in. I love it. Anything else here before we close the doors on today's show? Yeah, the salary hierarchy for the Steelers makes no sense. Deontay Johnson is the lowest salary wide receiver, but he has the highest weighted opportunity share in the games that he's played. So that's just a fundamental mispricing, in my opinion. If I'm going to play any Steelers receiver, which I'm absolutely fine stacking uh, this team in some tournament lineups here, I'm starting with Deontay Johnson. Needless to say, the Osmo projection is way higher than his wide receiver 30 salary. All right. There we go, Matt. 11 up, 11 down. And the best part about this is we get people that hang with us through all one hour and 45 minutes of it. So uh, we wouldn't be doing this without you guys watching the show. Uh, It's greatly appreciated. If you want to take it a step further, hit that thumbs up. But more importantly, subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so yet. You heard me say it earlier in the show. 
Uh, it greatly helps us get more reach, continue to do free stuff. So if you do like it, if you do like our content, hit subscribe so you'll be seeing more of us coming up. The FanDuel Show, 2 p.m. Eastern, Matt Kajeski and Kyle Dvorak, FanDuel Strategy, everything you need to know for week nine. We'll be back with you tomorrow with Awesome Mo NFL Strategy Show and Saturday. And then, of course, Sunday, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. We've got everything you need leading up to lock. No place to be other than Awesome Mo when it comes to our NFL content. We'll see you back here soon, guys. Good luck tonight in the showdown slate. <laughs>